Hi everyone and welcome to this podcast following an article titled Adding Cultural Dimensions to Person-Centred Diabetes Care for the Chinese Community. This was written in Diabetes, the Australian Diabetes Educator in December 2018. My name is Jan Orford and I will be a host again today. And in this podcast with our author is a cross-cultural dietitian researcher who has been proposing an alternative diabetes education paradigm for Chinese Australians. So I would like to introduce Dr. Tammy Choi, who is a lecturer at Monash University and an accredited practicing dietitian at Carrington Health in Victoria. Tammy is an Australian trained bicultural Chinese dietitian and speaks fluent English, Cantonese and Mandarin. She's been working closely with the Melbourneian Chinese community for approximately 10 years. She has uniquely combined her cultural knowledge with clinical experience in providing culturally tailored diabetes care for Chinese Australians, as well as undertaking research to identify an alternative diabetes education approach that aligns with the Chinese cultural learning and behaviour change needs. To date, she's written eight first author publications on this topic, but more importantly, Tammy was one of the recipients of the first round of Australian Diabetes Research Foundation grants in 2017. The grant allowed her to pilot evidence-based Chinese diabetes education programs named Not Scared of Sugar in Melbourne. So hello, Tammy, and how are you today? Hi, Jen. Hello, everyone. I'm very well, thank you. Great. So today, I think what we're going to be doing is hearing more about your work and how to translate your key learnings into practice. And I wonder if we could start with you sharing this alternative diabetes education paradigm for Chinese Australians with us, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. My research has focused on incorporating the cultural consideration into diabetes education approach for Chinese Australians. Perhaps more, more specifically, I advocate for cultural value of East Asian, so the Confucianism and collectivism concept that could impact on their preference in the therapeutic relationship, their learning orientation, and the way that they receive self-care information and support. Chinese people with diabetes actually prefer their healthcare professional to adopt this authoritative role and provide prescriptive instructional recommendation on what they need to do to better manage their sugar level. Interestingly, I found that instead of building rapport with the patient or the client, um, establishment of trust and respect is actually key for this population when providing diabetes education. Once the educator builds this respect in the therapeutic relationship, the person with diabetes is often quite happily making all the lifestyle changes as recommended. Thanks, Tammy. I actually find this this uh, quite interesting. And, and so I guess what you're saying is that we need to tell the Chinese people with diabetes what to do to manage their diabetes. Yes, actually, it's quite interesting to me too. Like typically as Australian trained, we are told not to tell the patient what to do and try to engage them in the diabetes care. But I will say that with the Chinese uh, people with diabetes, it's because of their collective collectivist-orientated culture. In the Chinese culture, people live in a society with, society with societal hierarchy, and everyone plays his or her role in maintaining the community harmony. So the research has indicated that in Chinese culture, the fixed role in the society, rather than the personal preference, uh, determines their behavior. 
and Chinese people are used to receiving this top-down top prescriptive instructions to change their behavior for the benefits of the wider community. To put it in the context of diabetes education, I did a systematic review and meta-analysis and reviewed 10 years of publications in English and Chinese and identified the most clinically effective diabetes, diabetes education approach for Chinese was actually delivering the self-management information as regular lecture in a top-down manner. In many health services in China, clinicians reported to place about 100 people in a, in a classroom um, or in a lecture hall and provide diabetes education in a weekly or monthly basis. This is very unique for the population and that knowledge of self-management really drives the behaviour change. As you say, this is obviously very different from our person-centred approach here in Australia, and I've actually seen it in action in Asia, so I, I get what you're saying, absolutely. Do you think then, though, that this type of delivery of diabetes education could work for East Asian people here in Australia? Well, as a, as a dietitian, as a clinician in, in the field of diabetes care, I think this diabetes lecture approach can be very resource intensive and probably work well in, in China because of the massive population. So what I did was that I borrowed some aspect of this China diabetes lecture format when designing my intervention for the not scared of sugar study. We found that the Chinese Australian participants appreciated that classroom style group learning and clinicians adopting the teacher's role and provision of the prescriptive lifestyle modification instruction. Although the pilot study was small, we had an incredible retention rate of 94%. Participants also provided very positive feedback on their experience of the program. Also, perhaps just let me come back to that being patient-centered or person-centered. I would argue that translating the collaborative person-centered approach when providing diabetes ed education for Chinese Australian is actually not very patient-centered. The collaborative approach and the individual care planning concepts are developed um, from the individualistic oriented Western culture. These approaches conflict with the Chinese culture values. And what I'm proposing is actually very patient-centered. Uh, put it in, by putting it in the Chinese people's culture value needs in the center of their care. And that is actually the essence of person-centered care. That's a good point, Tammy, thank you. And as I said, it is indeed a very different diabetes education paradigm that you're proposing to what we've been used to. Do you think Australian diabetes educators can adopt this approach when seeing Chinese people? Um, I think our not scared of sugar interventions suggested that the classroom style diabetes education worked well for the Chinese Australian in terms of culturally appropriateness and clinical effectiveness. And we deliberately involved non-Chinese diabetes educator and podiatrists to test the feasibility of our cultural tailoring strategy when adopted by non-Chinese clinicians. I have to say it was not easy for any clinician to move away from the translated approach we, we are so used to for many years. Especially the top-down approach is probably what we have trained not to do. Additionally, the strong focus on, in, on knowledge seeking among participants could make it difficult for clinicians as participants were asking very specific details, self-management information. 
But I feel that this is the way Chinese people learn, and we can equip ourselves with strategy to tailor our diabetes education service to support them better. It is also unfortunate that the unmet needs of these Chinese people could result in them disengaged from Australian diabetes care service. This is an observable, observable trend of Chinese Australians seeking diabetes management information from online resources, with some cases of extreme dietary restriction of cutting out major food groups in an attempt to control their blood sugar level. In our not scared of sugar intervention, some participants who did not receive structured diabetes education reported starving themselves for up to 10 years since diagnosis. So I believe that that is an urgent need for us clinicians to move away from providing a translated diabetes education service to tailoring our approach to the consumer's needs. And what I'm saying here is that we don't need to match, we don't need a perfect match of culture or, or language with our consumer to be effective to the, to the diabetes education. It's just that we have to adopt some culturally tailoring strategy. You make some very good points. So, Tammy, do you think that the, these are applicable for all East Asians in Australia, or is it more true for the older population versus, say, the younger population in the country? I believe the cultural values on education and the culture of everyone playing his or her role in the community are consistent in the collectivistic oriented culture in the Asian group. From my experience, I observed very varied level of cultural appreciation across the Chinese community in Melbourne, but not necessarily affected by age. I'm sure there is diversity within the Chinese community, and I'm not promoting a one-size-fitting-all approach or encouraging diabetes education to, to be stern or taught at every Asian person. What I'm trying to do here is to propose an alternative diabetes education paradigm, suggesting consideration of different cultural needs when providing diabetes education to culturally and linguistically diverse populations. While we shouldn't stereotype any cultural group, I believe recognizing our differences is the first thing we need to do in adopting a more culturally inclusive care practice. Thanks so much for your time today, Tammy. That's almost all the questions that I've got for you. But my final question is, if you had to summarise what would be the three most important things to keep in mind when working with the East Asian community in Australia, what would they be? I would say acknowledging cultural differences and being aware of alternative approaches are the first step to address the cultural needs. Then perhaps just three simple strategies I would like to reinforce. Number one, reorientate yourself to take that authoritative role and don't ask for opinion in terms of their care. Provide information before asking them for, to whether they have any question. Number two, being very explicit and clear when providing lifestyle recommendation. For example, the specific time of blood sugar testing or specific type and amount of rice to be included in each meal, etc. And lastly, number three, Consider doing group education because it really inlines well with their collectivistic orientation. Well, Tammy, as I said, thank you so much once again for your time today. It really has been great to talk to you. And I'm sure that this podcast has inspired our listeners to start thinking about the way that culture can impact on learning. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. But I'd also encourage members to take time to listen to this podcast. And until next time, I'll say goodbye. Thank you.